let's pray. Father, would you lead us, guide us in our thoughts, guide me in my speaking, and unfold to us what you want us to hear now and help us to be strengthened in our faith and our unity because of it. Amen. Truth matters. Truth is our way of describing reality, the way things really are. Living in truth is living in response to reality. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, having died for the sins of the world, was raised from the dead. That truth changed my life and my eternity. And the same is true for each one of us who has put our faith in Jesus as our saviour and chosen to live our lives with him in charge. It took me 18 months from walking into a church pretty much for the first time that I took, took a church seriously in my mid-twenties, um, a place that was quite alien to me, to get to the point where my seeking and reading and questioning and wrestling with the question, is it true, came to a conclusion in a sports hall in Swindon, oddly. But that truth about Jesus meant that in my mid-twenties, what was important to me changed. And that truth and the truths that went with it changed the way I used my time, my priorities, my purpose. For me, it led to a change from an electronics engineer to a theology student, and then a brief spell, which can't really explain to you in detail, but a brief spell as a care assistant in a nursing home, and then as a Baptist minister. This truth made me poorer financially, but richer in far many, uh, far more important ways. Uh, now, from this point of view, the quest for truth was from the inside. It's, it's more faith-seeking understanding rather than looking from the outside and saying, well, does that make any sense? Could it be true? And recognizing this truth has given me a new family. It's a family not united by physical birth, but by spiritual birth, um, in the ways that we were looking at earlier. It's a family that is united in common beliefs that have their basis in the Bible, in God's written revelation. Uh, I was soon to discover that my new family was very varied. Um, the part of that family that I'd spent mo I've spent most time with in the local expression was uh, full of young and old. It was, had people in there with PhDs and those who hated school and had the qualifications to show it. Those who were well off and those who weren't. It included people I wouldn't have come across and wouldn't have known what to say to except through what we had in common, we got over, passed through the differences and actually learned all sorts of things about each other. And then in the process, I became uh, more of the new person that God had already made me. I lived that out. 
And then I hope you've found this, that as you live out uh, the life that God's called you to, uh, you find that you're able to relate to people in a new way. Based on, uh, for some of us, it's based on what we share in common. But even for those that you don't share that in common with, you have something in you that is different and makes you a different person so that you can uh, live differently, have different agendas, uh, different things going on. I hope that we become, well, I'm sure we do as we respond to the gospel, that we become less self-centered and centered in a different place. The place that we grow up in is, um, well, actually, there are several places that we grow in, but one of the central places is church, isn't it? And it's that place, that people, that Paul describes in Ephesians. Ephesians uh, by no means says everything about church life, but I'm going to, to look at this, this combination of truth and unity, unity and truth, united in the truth for the time that we have together this morning. And uh, Rob asked me to, uh, to look at your statement of faith and I'm going to give you a quiz, and I'm go you've got 12 points in your statement of faith, and I'm going to ask, okay, no, I'm not going to quiz you on the statement of faith. So, um, it suddenly got warmer in here, didn't it? <laughs> uh, but I am going to, to put your statement of faith on the screen, and, um, and actually, it's not just your statement of faith. The Hayward Heath Baptist Church statement of faith, you may or may not know, uh, broadly speaking, comes, well, basically comes from the Evangelical Alliance Statement of Faith, if that means something, I'm sure that will mean something to a lot of you, um, an organisation that this church is part of, and Gateway Baptist Church, where I come from, is part of, and I'm a signed-up member of as well, uh, so I can, I can relate to this Statement of Faith with, uh, with confidence. And then there's one uh, statement on the end of this, the Evangelical Alliance Statement of Faith, that talks specifically about baptism and the Lord's Supper or communion. And, um, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll look at that in a few moments. But first of all, I want to, to draw out some things from Ephesians and um, one or two things from the, the book of Ephesians or the, the epistle letter to the Ephesians and then uh, some things about chapter 4 particularly that we read. Ephesians by no means says everything about the church, but it does say a lot about who we are and therefore about how we're to live. Hello to those people behind the scaffolding. Nice to see you. Um, uh, the central person in the letter to the Ephesians is Christ. It's, it's actually Christ through whom we we really know and understand the Father. It's Christ who um, sent the Spirit. It's, it's by the, the nature of Christ that we understand uh, the role of the Spirit, really. So the central person in the letter is Christ, and our sense of belonging primarily comes from being in Christ, belonging to Christ, but being in Christ. At the heart of this letter is the recognition that we are all one in Christ, no matter where we came from, 
in Paul's day, the, the big thing was whether people were Jews or Gentiles. People who were, in many senses, insiders or outsiders. In our day, there may be many other uh, divisions, but despite where we came from, and despite whether we've got a PhD or we've got the qualifications to show that we didn't enjoy school, we are one in Christ, and what unites us is so much more important than what is uh, different about us in that kind of way. And yet the differences that we have actually serve to, to bless one another, and we are, uh, we are better as one in Christ because we are all different, yet united. So Ephesians talks about being one in Christ, and those of you who've looked at the letter before will, uh, I hope, have spotted the fact that Paul talks about who we are, first of all, and what the church is, and then, after establishing that, he talks about what we're to do and how we're to live. So we're one in Christ, and then we're to live as one in Christ, and we're to live as one in Christ in the real world that God has placed us. And so chapter 4 is, starts to be unfolding this idea of living as one in Christ. At the beginning of chapter Paul, 4, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Um, to live a life based on what God has said to you and what God has called you into. And then he speaks about our attitudes to one another. Be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. I'm really emphasising the truth that we stand on this morning. And that's hugely important. It was hugely important to me in coming to Christ in the first place. It's hugely important to, to me as, um, as a Christian now, and I hope it's hugely important to you. Truth is, uh, is so vital that if we lose it, um, we just lose our way. And I'll explore that a little bit more in a moment. But how we, expressed, how we express truth and the way in which we speak to people, even as we are convinced of the truth, is really important. And to express it with gentleness and humility and with understanding and recognising where other people come from is supremely important. So even as we'll go on to speak about the truth, just hold on to that thought that the humility with which we express it and the way that we're willing to, to listen and grasp where other people are coming from is very important. And Paul makes that, that statement early on in this chapter. Then he reminds the Ephesians and God through what Paul wrote to the Ephesians reminds us that we are to, to recognise the oneness that we don't have to engineer for ourselves. It's not that we have to make unity, but it is that we have to keep unity, make every effort, verse 3 says, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then Paul talks about there is one body, one spirit, and so on. So, uh, I'm going to uh, leave that part there for the moment, having made that, that point. But we go on to, God gives gifts to the church. 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And again, there's much to explore there. But one of the gifts that God gives to us is, and it, it goes with those four or five uh, offices that they're often thought of, five gifts to the church, is that they're all speaking gifts or they're all gifts that involve speaking. They're all gifts that unfold for us the truth, maybe even in the, maybe in the first place for evangelists and then in an ongoing way, pastors and teachers. And we're going to look a little bit more at the way that truth is unfolded and the necessity of that truth. And the truth is so that we are prepared, built up for works of service until we all reach the unity in the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then... And maybe this is the key verse and why I particularly wanted this passage or these two verses. Then we'll no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Um, it, it's kind of interesting, isn't it, looking at Paul's letter. He's, he's telling us to be humble and gentle, but his words do kind of cut and, and are quite strong, aren't they? The cunningness and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. He is warning not to be thrown here and thrown there by the stuff that comes along. And you can have in your mind a boat being, uh, you know, tossed backwards and forwards by a storm, by the waves, by the wind. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body. Holding truth and love together. Love is a kind of attitude of relationship, a, a way of being that nurtures and is out for the best for somebody else. We, there is a way of using the word love that can uh, disregard truth just so that we, we stay in each other's affections so that we don't confront. But I think it's instructive here that Paul puts them together, truth and love, because love really expressed is love that speaks the truth. And truth rightly expressed is truth that builds up, truth that encourages, truth that helps. But it is truth that warns. So, with all this in mind, I want to read you uh, a quote, and then I want to look at these uh, statements of faith that you all know and, um, and love. The first quote comes from a book that I read when I was studying, uh, and it was written about 30 years ago, and the book is called The Cruelty of Heresy. I don't know whether you've ever thought that heresy, that, that departing from the truth that we've received is, is cruel. But it is, because if we, if we lose the plot of who God is, if we lose the plot of the truth that God has revealed to us, then we end up losing what God has made available to us, losing the life that God has called us to. 
And this writer, writing 30 years ago, I reckon that the, these words are even more appropriate for us now. He says, A sense of disorder pervades our culture and our churches. Poets and playwrights have been telling us for some time that our society no longer has a stable centre or firm foundation, is now, and it is now apparent in our social and political consciousness. There seems to be few agreed boundaries, limits or teachings and the Christian church's traditional role in providing them for much of Western society is weaker today than any time in many centuries. Attempted alternatives to Christianity have failed to provide the underlying sustenance. You could think of statements of faith as, in a sense, a bit like a scaffolding or a structure that help us to unfold some key truths in the Bible. People have looked in detail over a long period of time, and these statements, by and large, are built on things that have stood the test of time. And we do well to, to take them seriously enough to, uh, to consider them. The Bible is a very big book, and uh, some of these statements that we'll look at now just help us to tease out some of those things might be able to see the next slide. If I can't, then I'm sure I'll get help. Because I think... There we go. That's good. So, these, um, these statements, uh, you can find these yourself. They're on the Evangelical Alliance website. Um, and uh, I'm sure if you look hard enough, um, there'll be available within Hayward Heath Baptist Church as well. Speaks of the nature of God. I'm not going to read out all the details of them, but I'm going to pick one from each section. And, but I'll just give you a chance to, to look at the, the words and the pictures uh, at the moment. But as you read those, I want you to notice that they are rooted in the nature of God. They're not first of all about us. As, as the 12 statements unfold, they do become about us too. But they're first of all rooted in God. And I think one of the things that these can do for us is to remind us a truth about life is it's not all about us. It's not all about me. And isn't so much of what we struggle with and what our society struggles with a, a self-centred life and even the way that we understand things now um, and the way that we speak about things becomes uh, rather strange and distorted. I'm going to wave another four past you. And uh, I will come back to, to some of them in a moment or two. But for those of you who are capable of doing two things, I'll let you read those and, and talk to you at the same time. Isn't it interesting? Uh, I don't know whether you've noticed this or not, but I'm sure people used to talk much more about what do you think? What do you believe? But now the question is, what do you feel about this? How do I feel? And it's not just about... How, do I feel happy or do I feel sad? It's kind of, what do I feel about truths? 
um, it's, it's good to feel good about truths. But if we, if we are led by how I feel about that truth today, compared to how I felt about it yesterday, I am going to be like that boat that Paul is picturing, being tossed around by all sorts of things, and I'll listen to something here that somebody's thought of today, and I'll listen to something else that somebody's thought of tomorrow, and I'll be, I'll be getting seasick, frankly. And I'll feel, my feelings will go up, maybe yours like mine, go up and down. We need something a bit more solid than our feelings. And I would challenge you, as well as having a look at these 12 um, statements of faith, I would challenge you to listen to your own conversations, hear what people say, and, and hear what you find yourself saying. And just ask yourself, is this language betraying that I'm led by feelings? You might say, well, it's just a word. It's a way we describe things. But, but words are quite important. We get, we get led down directions by words. So just, just pay attention to what you say and what you hear in terms of thinking, believing, feeling, and just see if there's potentially a bit of a drift there. So I'm going to take you back to three of these statements just to highlight as we come towards a close. The second statement is all about God. And this statement divides off Christianity from everything that is outside Christianity. We believe in a God who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And, and I just want to say to you, that is a wonderful thing to be able to believe in. That is a wonderful thing to have revealed to us because that is such a basis for life. We, we don't believe in a God who is just one. We do believe in a God who is one and three. And we might struggle to get our heads around that. But it does mean that at the root of who we are, as is explored in a later statement of faith. Can I go back? Uh, uh, number nine, the dignity of all people made male and female in God's image. We are already made to be relational. We are not made to be isolated in individuals. Down to the very foundation of who we are made. We are made to be relational. And if, if when you're isolated from people, you feel like there's something wrong, that is because it's part of your nature, made in the image of God. So I, I can't go into detail about all these uh, wonderful words that are there, and I, I mean that Deeply, actually, they are wonderful words that are there. But I want to highlight number seven, the divine inspiration and supreme authority of the Old and New Testament scriptures, which are the written word of God, trustworthy for faith and conduct. And in a world where people are saying all manner of bizarre things, we need to know that we have something reliable to keep referring back to. We may have our interpretation challenge. We may need to challenge our interpretation of things. But we need to understand that we come back to something that is solid.
And a final one that I wanted to highlight, because actually you're not going to get this unless God reveals it to you. And it is the hope that the personal and visible return of Jesus Christ to fulfill the purposes of God, who will raise all people to judgment, bring eternal life to the redeemed and an eternal condemnation to the lost, and established a new heaven and a new earth. You're, you're not going to think your way to that apart from the revelation of God. And for us as Christians, that can seem quite an intolerant thing. And so kind of re reinforcing what we have earlier, there is this, this need for everybody to respond to Jesus and not for us to not skirt around the issue that people need to respond to Jesus because there will come a time when Jesus will come back for his own. So, let's hold on to the truth. Let's not argue about nick, uh, little uh, tiny elements of things, but let's not lose the core of what we believe. Let me pray, and then I'm going to, uh, we're going to sing again. Father, would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth? Would you help us to discover more and more deeply the truth that is in Jesus? Thank you that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And would you help us to be responsive to your word and to your spirit so that we might be led in all truth? Amen.